0: Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. Good to see you guys. People who have eyes to see openings of opportunity in the face of uncertainty and seasons where we feel stuck, right? And I do want to give... um, I, I do want to point you to a great resource. We may have the center bookstore, but there's a book called All the Places to Go by John Ortberg. It looks like this. He talks all about open doors, and it was just just a, f- a phenomenal um, little resource there that you guys might want to dig into if you want to read more about this. But uh, the reason I believe a lot of this matters is because when we are convinced that God has not left us alone or left us where we are, then we get to enter into a new way of living and seeing which, has to, do, which uh, has to do with the discovery of creative possibilities in every place we walk, right? This is what it looks like to live in the fullness of life in Christ. And so, Revelation chapter three, verse seven, talks about this, the message to the church in Philadelphia. Um, God sends this message and says, see, I have placed before you an open door that no man can shut. I see you have little strength. I know you have little strength, yet you have kept my word. I have not denied my name. And there's this reality Uh, As we grow up into our understanding of how phenomenal and pivotal the resurrection was and how phenomenal and pivotal it still is, it changes how we live, it changes how we think in every way, right? In the resurrection, Jesus invited us into this life. That every step we take, we get to breathe life into the lungs of every person we encounter. We get to help them see possibilities in the face of problems, we get to be catalysts for kingdom realities in every place we walk, and this is the identity that you and I have been called into. Is there anybody with me on that in this place here? And so this is kind of what we've been talking about last week, or a couple weeks ago. talked about what it looks like to discover open doors in the faces of uncertainty, and the the fact that God is really just not afraid of uncertainty, and he calls us to faith. But a lot of times when we're trying to, we're asking God to help us recognize open doors, we ask those questions. Should I take that job? Should I move across the country? Should I go pray for that person or bless them or, or give generously and outrageously um, over to this person or this family or this cause, right? And we ask those questions, and sometimes we're hesitant because we're uncertain on the other side, but I want to talk just for a moment today that there's some doors that We resist because we're uncertain of what they lead to. There's some doors we resist because we are certain of what they lead to. (laughs) And so I want to show you a video um, that somebody sent me a couple weeks ago. Joe Jensen sent me this on Facebook, and this is perfect. And uh, I want you to take a look at this, and we'll tee off of this. It was my choice and now I will question myself for the next few weeks, maybe months. We had an option of two pathways to walk and they led to two doorways. It was a bit confronting actually, to be honest, to see these big, Signs and feeling like you had to choose and be self-conscious of how you perceive yourself, and perhaps if it lines up with how the rest of the world perceives you. I went through the average door. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I didn't even hesitate. Pretty. 对我的概念来说，就是，嗯，像嗯明星那种遥不可及的那种。我走的是一般。but I think it's arrependida because I porque the choice because it's different vivo, what I do it's different do what I am. Am I choosing because of what's constantly bombarded at me? What I'm being told that I should accept? Or am I choosing because that's what I really believe? I walked into that door with said average and I didn't feel really good after that because obviously I had rated myself average, and nobody else. Todos os dias eu passo pela porta comum, e ontem foi um dia único, e eu optei por passar pelo Bonita. I wanted to go through the average door, but my mum just pulled me over to the beautiful door. It was quite a triumphant feeling. It was like telling the world, I think I'm beautiful. I just wish more young women realized it. I think I would walk through the beautiful door. think a completamente aberta para me. Maybe maybe I could walk in that door. You can. Next time I look into the mirror, I will see somebody really beautiful looking back at me beautiful is a great word so why not see what's on the other side of that (laughs) yeah it's good stuff right there thank you dove for putting that together for us Product placement moment. Um, so, uh, so there's some doors, some open doors we resist because we're uncertain of what's on the other side. There's some doors we resist because we are certain on what's uh, what's on the other side, and that if we go through that door, it's going to involve something needing to change. And what you just saw was a a, a prime example of this now how many of you are like me where you're watching these women walk through the average door and you just want to scream at the top of your lungs go through the beautiful door what are you thinking right like when you're watching this third person you're like why would you what, what, what 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 what's the problem here like why would you not even think to go through that door but we have to get the nuances and the subtleties here of what's going on because these women literally have an open door set in front of them. And they have to decide which one to go through. Now, obviously, some of them are just going to be confused and not know what to do or what's going on or this is some kind of social experiment, a little walk away, right? But for the ones who got to choose, they know this. They know that if they go through that beautiful door, they are making a decision and they're making an announcement to themselves. And if they go through that door, something will have to change right? Regardless of how they came up to that, if they decide to go through that door, then they were making a declaration that, you know what, I am beautiful. And when you make that declaration, when you choose that door, what you're doing is you have to then change the way you think about yourself. Then you have to change the way you talk about yourself. Then you have to change the way that you carry yourself. Then you change the way you see yourself in the mirror. And some of those, it was just too much because they knew that if they walked through that, that something would have to change than what they were used to. And so they didn't, they missed an opportunity to go through a door. Even though the change was good, they resisted the change. Some open doors we resist because some of them will require us to change. Are you guys with me on that? And this is a, this is a big deal because by and large, you and I, were not great with change. Does any, does, has anybody ever experienced that before? Okay. And this is not your fault, it's not my fault, this is kind of a human thing, right? Because from the beginning of the world, you ask any world leader, there's a problem with people, and it's that people, we want progress, but we resist change, right? And you hear about this every election, you hear about this every, you know, anytime something in any type of organization or community or movement or any, that type of thing, like, you know, we demand from, you know, leaders or change agents, we, you know, we demand, hey, we want things to move forward to progress, but then as soon as things start changing, we get back and we, th- we throw that fist back in the air, don't we? Like, wait a second, something just changed, right? I want progress, just not change. Now, silly example, anybody who's on Facebook, you see this every time they change the whole Facebook, like, you know... They do up, the updates to the website, right? Because uh, Facebook, they'll just make a change. And then for about a week, a bunch of people are posting on their Facebook walls, I can't believe all these changes, right? And then until a week later, till they can't even remember anything, that, what it was even like before that, right? And so we love progress, but we have this strange tendency to resist change. Peter Senji said it like this, people don't resist change. They, res- they resist being changed. And this is an important thing to know about ourselves. This is something we see all throughout Scripture. We see this in the people of God, the Israelites, as, as God opens a door. If there's ever a door that was ever opened, it was opened for the children of Israel in Egypt. You guys read that, right? We, we, go, we open up in, into the book of Exodus, and we see that, that the people of God have been crying out to him for liberation, for salvation from the hands of, of the Egyptians, right? And so God shows up with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. He miraculously, supernaturally, powerfully delivers them, makes them a spectacle in front of the entire world, right? And there's only one problem with what God is doing is He's setting in front of them an open door, and if they go through this door, they cannot ungo through this door. They go through this door, something must change. And so we read about how the Israelites respond. Numbers 11 says this, not long after they're out, they're out in the wilderness. God leads them out, and a new season is ahead of them, right? He leads them out. Numbers 11, 5, they start saying, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, The garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there's nothing at all but this manna to look at, right? I mean, you know it's bad when you're like you're in the desert. like, oh, man, the leeks. Do you remember the leeks, right? <laughs> the garlic. Like, I would take it all back just for the garlic, right? I mean, it sounds so absurd when you read it like that. Meanwhile, Moses is having his own existential crisis, all right? And, you know, same chapter, Numbers 11, 11 through 15. Moses said to the Lord, Why have you dealt ill with your servant, and why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth, that you should say to me, Carry them in your bosom, as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give to their fathers? Where am I to get the meat to give all these people? For they weep before me, and they say, Give us meat that we may eat. I'm not able to carry all these people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once. I'm not making this up, man. This is some of the best comedy ever written. I know it's not supposed to be funny, but it's hard for me to read these exchanges and not just chuckle because they, God swings open a door and they go through. And, and not that long, um, it, it, they start remembering the fish and the melons and the leeks and the garlic and all this stuff. And then meanwhile, their leader... It's like, listen, I didn't ask to go through this door. This door opened. I was forced through this door, right? I don't want these people. I didn't give them birth, right? I'm not their mother. I'm not their father. Like, if, if I'm going to keep doing this, God, just kill me, right? And you laugh because you know what that feels like, right? To ever be forced through a door. And you go, like, I didn't ask this for myself. I didn't do this. But what they're commenting on is the fact that something happened on the other side that required a change of thinking, right? And here's the thing about the Israelites, it's really important. They believed God in Egypt, but they, uh, the Israelites believed in Egypt, but they rejected God in the wilderness. Their freedom demanded that they change the way they think. They wanted freedom, they just didn't want to be dependent on God. And this is a big deal, guys. I can't tell you how many stories, how many conversations, really what it has to do with is I'm in this season where things are different than it used to be, and I'm not sure if I like that. I'm not sure what to do with the change that's been put in front of me. But the big deal that we have to look at today, though, is the fact that when God opens doors, when God makes a way for us into new things, whether we think it was from Him or not, it's always attached to an invitation to understand His nature in a new way. Okay? So when the Israelites were miraculously delivered from the Egyptians, it wasn't just about the miraculous power. It was an invitation, an invitation for them to relate to God in an entirely different way than they related to him before. And the tension was that they wanted to relate to him the same way that they did before. But God says, no, 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 that's not how this open door thing works. When you come into this new thing, it's going to be attached to a new understanding of yourself and a new understanding of me. Are you willing to go there through that door? Thank you for the the little moans and groans of amens around the room. Every breakthrough carries with it a promise. And the problem is that we, when God brings breakthrough into our life, we're now held accountable to that breakthrough. And so the Israelites, as God would lead them through out of slavery, and what God showed them, they are now responsible to steward that breakthrough. now... In the kingdom, in God's eyes, it's illegal for them to think anything differently, that God won't provide, that God won't be there, that God won't won't come in power, that God won't deliver on his promises. And so what happens in our life, every time something happens, if you experience financial provision, for instance, if God miraculously experiences financial provision, that means that you are no longer allowed to think with a poverty mindset. Something must change when you go through that door. When God sets open that door and he delivers, it's an invitation to know him in a new way that you can no longer relate in that old way. you no longer are able to relate in a poverty mindset because you know that God provides. Yeah? If you're phys- you healed in your body or something happens, physical healing you have to change the way you think about your body, right? If you were provided with an opportunity to bless somebody's socks off and just to do something for them that nobody else would do for them or see them in a way, in a light that nobody else was seeing them or speak something to their art that they've never heard before, guess what? You are no longer able to think of yourself as insignificant because your words, it turns out your words do matter, right? It turns out your life it does matter. And so what happens, though, is when God sets these open doors, they're all for the sake of change. But sometimes when we know what the, the other side of the door, we know what change is about to come, there's tendencies that we have from time to time to subdue ourselves, to actually put a lid on ourselves, and to resist these new opportunities because we know on the other side is it going to require something of us to change. And that might not feel safe, that might not feel normal, and so we let that door go alone. Abraham Maslow calls this the Jonah complex, which is the strange tendency that we have to evade our own growth and potential and resist our own destinies. And he said it like this, if you deliberately plan to be less than you are capable of being, then I warn you that you'll be deeply unhappy for the rest of your life. You'll be evading your own capacities and your own possibilities, okay? Okay. And so what is he talking about? He's looking at this biblical character, Jonah. And Jonah is a very interesting character, and he if there's one person that embodies what we're just we're talking about right here, it's Jonah, okay? Because in this short book of Jonah, I've met many of you know this story inside and out, and I'll just kind of give a couple pieces here. In Jonah chapter one, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. But Jonah wrote, he didn't even respond. It says, Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down to it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. And it's interesting because for anybody, any of us who've ever actually read this story before, we see Jonah fleeing and, and we're not entirely sure why, what's going on here. I think he's, a, he's afraid of failure, he's afraid of something going wrong, or any of those types of things. But we read that Jonah, at once, it says he flees the presence of God, and he just starts running away. That's his first mistake. He starts running away. He finds a boat that's sailing somewhere else. He gets on the boat. Things start going badly, right? God sends a great wind, and, uh, and, and then all these, these dudes on, on board trying to figure out what's going on, what's, what's happening here. They finally figured out, okay, Jonah's running from God. This is bad news, everybody. And they end up, you know, he invites them to throw him overboard, right? And so we read that he, gets, he goes overboard. God provides what? A great fish, right? And swallows him up. And in his running away from God, the fish spits him out. You know, after Jonah prays out to God, and cries out to God, the fish spits him out. And we read that he makes his way to Nineveh, right? And he gets there, and surprisingly, all this, all this hubbub about freeing the presence of God as he's trying to avoid an eight-word sermon, all right? This is probably the shortest and worst sermon ever preached in human history, right? He gets to Nineveh, and he says, this is his sermon. He shows up, and he just yells this out. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's it. That's all he says. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the thing that he didn't want to happen, happens. He says this, he announces it. I think he purposely made it short so they might not hear him, right? And they respond. Like something happens, the hearts of people start turning, they repent before God. And it says that God... Relents from destroying them in the whole city of Nineveh, right? And and we read just after this, God relents from this. And what happens to Jonah? He's upset. He's upset that Nineveh got saved. Why? Because he doesn't like Nineveh. If you if you read any context or backstory, we don't have time to get into that. They are not friends of Nineveh, right? Nineveh has this way of destroying and and uh and, and moving into territories and uh taking things that aren't theirs. They have this terrible reputation. And when God says, I want you to go to Nineveh, there's something inside of Jonah that says no. And what's what's really important is that we understand that the story behind Jonah is not that he wasn't fleeing because he was afraid of failure. He was fleeing because he was afraid of success. And so we read in Jonah 4, uh, uh, verse 2, he says, he prays to God. After after God says, you know what? They repented. I'm going to back off here. Jonah prays. To the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee Tarshish, for I knew that you were gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. He didn't want the Ninevites, to receive compassion. He knew that God was compassionate and loving and merciful. He knew that he showed up to love these people, to learn their language, and to even preach a short sermon, that God would somehow honor that and withhold, withhold destroying Nineveh. And that's the thing about Jonah in this passage. It's not driven by a fear of failure. It's driven by a fear of success. Even if we recognize certain doors and certain opportunities, oftentimes we don't go, go through because there's, we're scared of what it might mean, okay? Because if Jonah, Jonah knew that if I'm going to go and if I'm going to respond to the call of God in my life, if I'm going to seize the destiny that God has set in front of me, if I'm going to seize this moment, it's going to require me to love somebody I don't want to love, and that's not something I'm willing to change right now. Listen. Doors require something of us every time. And for those of us who don't understand that the nature of God is to grow us up into maturity and understanding, then oftentimes we will self-sabotage ourselves in certain ways to keep us at a certain level because as long as I'm at this level, at least nobody expects much from me. At least I don't expect, expect much from me. At least maybe God doesn't expect much from me and I can get away with that. But if I go through that door, if I go pray for that person, if I actually rise up in the calling of God in my life, if I do something extraordinary here, it's going to set a new benchmark in my life. And I'm not sure I'm ready for that because that's going to require me to like myself myself. That's going to require me to move in the love and power of God in ways that I never have. That's going to require the Holy Spirit to explode out of me in ways that I'm not comfortable with, right? And listen to me. When it comes to being a people of revival and that have a value for revival and what God's doing on the face of the earth, so many revivals are missed because of resistance to change, both individually and corporately. And what happens is, We say the stuff, we speak the words, we show up to church, we do the thing, we do just what's enough. But we say, God, I'm going to keep this in. And this made a lot of sense even during worship today. This is kind of what we were feeling in the room just a little bit today. This is what I was feeling even in the morning during prayer, that there's times in our lives where we know we can see what the invitation is, but we're scared to seize it because we know it's going to require a new watermark from us. Listen. Do not contain the call and the move of God on your life. Do not run from it. Do not be afraid of success. Do not be afraid of the picture of what happens if this actually works in your life. Some of us, that's actually scarier than failing. What if this actually works? What am I going to do then? What if, I, what if I quit my job? What if I move here? What if I do this thing, right? Like, what if this actually works? It means everything changes. And I'm telling you, I have conversations with people that I know are stewarding and holding something so deep and so beautiful, just gold, this treasure, this unbelievable destiny I see it in their eyes. And I ask them, why is it that you have allowed yourself to stay silent on that? And I had a conversation like that just like a month ago and the person I was talking to said, I, I'm just scared that if, if I do that, if I actually step into what God is preparing for me, I don't know how I'm going to manage all of this. And listen to me. If you are scared of change, if you are scared of things looking different on the other side, you may bypass the doors that God has set in front of you to be a force of significance in your own life, in your family's life, in this community, in the entire world. Do not forsake that door because guess what? God is committed, whether you like it or not, He's committed to change. And this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, with unfailed face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory. To another, for this comes from the Lord, who is Spirit. And we all, right, this New Testament reality, as we get to behold the face of Jesus, as we get to actually relate face to face with God as Moses did, we get to be friends with God. That's that's wild, right? It says, as that's happening, as we're relating to God in that way, as we're beholding his face, there's a transformation, there's a change that's taking place inside of us. There's a metamorphosis that's taking place and we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And, and, that's, and, and, I, and I, this is so important that we understand this because for those of us who are under this illusion that I can do this Jesus thing, I can do this kingdom thing, I can kind of show up and I can kind of get enough. Listen, you were made for more than that and you know you are. And you know you are. Do not run from your destiny because your destiny is great. And the things that are in your heart God cares about and they're powerful and they're good because God gives good gifts. (laughs) He's committed to your transformation. So like Jonah, if we have this Jonah complex thing, we, we can be afraid of failure. We can be afraid of success. Either way, if we try to do this thing where we run, he is going to track us down. He gives his permission to run, and it may be years. I mean, you can, you can do that. But I'm telling you, man, the beat on your heart. You cannot unsee what you've seen. You cannot unhear those whispers from God. You cannot unread that scripture that just leaped off the page and just wrapped itself around your, your whole being. You cannot undo the things that have been done. And when there's a seed planted, God is committed for that thing to bear fruit. And we have the permission, and we have the invitation to respond to God and say, God, I don't know, on this other side of this door, this, is, this could look a little crazy, this could look a little weird, this could look a little nuts to everybody else, but if change is required, God, I surrender everything and I will go where you want me to go. It's a, it's a posture of our heart. Did I see, Mark, Mark, you want to come up? I'm, I'm going to actually land the plane here. And I think you guys got it here. Do you guys get it? Okay, sweet. Um, if you're new here, I mean, I hope I hope this all makes sense. It's always hard to tell. Um, so there's a couple people I want to speak to just as we're we're ending here. Um, for, for some of us, it's it's hard to walk through a door and to embrace change. First of all, that is why Jesus must be Lord of our life. Surrendering to the lordship of Jesus Christ is step number one in the kingdom. Saying, God, I submit my whole life, my whole heart, my mind, my will, and, and my emotions, I submit those to you, God. And the things that you're setting in front of me, Lord God, show me the places where I have put a lid on those things because I'm afraid of what that could mean for me. And this morning, some of you are in that place where your step is to remind yourself and remind your Lord, and remind God, God, Relinquish my control. I open up my hand. And God, I just want to declare that I'm yours again. And if that's you in the room, could you just start telling him that? God, I give you my whole life. I give you my whole heart. Now there's some here that you've been through an open door believing that God said it there, but it required so much change that now you resent God for it and it's like the Israelites being delivered from Egypt only to go into the wilderness, you felt left alone, and you dream of trying to go backwards through that door. And I know you're in here, and you know exactly who I'm talking about. Some of you responded to God, and the other side of that door was a flipping desert. And you, have, you haven't been able to see God since you went through it there's not a whole lot of visible sign except a sense that maybe God has taken care of me here and even dream how do I undo this how do I move back there how do I go back to maybe I shouldn't have done that thing that has has affected the last five years of my life that last ten years of my life and there is no going backwards but the, the promise and the provision today again is a reminder to you that your job is not to go backwards your job is to see that God never left you alone he never left you alone You are where you are for probably a lot of different reasons. He did not leave you alone. And he wants you to see that. He wants you to settle into that because the life he's called you to live is not a life of, I wish things didn't happen differently, but a life of, God, I see what it is that you might be doing and I'm going to respond differently to create a new future for what's ahead. When we resent God, From missed expectations, we become blind to everything he's doing. And I just, God, I thank you for your presence in this place that is confirming that word in hearts right now. You're confirming your word. I thank you, God, that you're freeing us up that you're continuing to dismantle fear of both failure and success, what we might get wrong and the bright destinies. And you're bidding us come out to get out of the boat. I speak to every heart in this room. Do not be afraid. Well, one last group I want to pray for. I just thought we wanted to pray for before we're out of here today. If you are an entrepreneur, or you are you own your own business, you're self-employed. And you've walked through some doors and you've some things have swung open and it's required a lot of change from you and you're still in a place where you're just trusting God. Maybe, I mean, just any entrepreneur, anybody that's just started something this last year, maybe a business, maybe an organization, but if you own your own business, if you're starting your own business and you're in a place where you're continuing to trust God, I want you to stand to your feet today in this room. Look at that. Isn't that awesome? There's a lot of starters here, yeah. And we don't do this often. We need to do it more. But we want to bless you because I do know, without knowing your story each individually, I do know that it's required a trust, trusting God and seeing something that doesn't exist yet and walking through a door. And it's even required a lot of sacrifice and change on your part. We want to bless you guys and we're going to pray for the favor of God on these guys to bless them with provision and finances and business and new customers and new clients and new opportunities that they never before imagined where they're not begging and pleading, but they're just resting and trusting in a good dad, right? Can you, If you're around somebody like that, let's just put your hand on their shoulders. We're just gonna bless their business. We're gonna bless what they're doing. I just wanna encourage you to start doing that. I'm gonna be quiet up here. You just start blessing them and calling favor upon them. Thank you, God. God, I just, we just thank you for a release of favor and blessing over these guys, what their hands are on and what they're doing. God, we just pray for your goodness to be made manifest in it, the work of their hands, God. Do you guys agree with that prayer here today? All right, let's thank the Lord together. I'm going to ask Bob to come up, and we're going to close this up.